week on The Heroes Die. Will somebody's mic get cut? Will Claude murder anyone? Will anything happen? Stay tuned to find out. And my name is Matt, and I don't normally talk like this, but I'm just really excited to introduce this week's episode to you. I'm a friend of the show, I've been listening these past few weeks, and as someone who has not had a D&D group for a couple years, been really enjoying living vicariously through the group. I've also been petitioning Sam for a Claude the Murder Clydesdale t-shirt, so if you would wear one, please DM them on Instagram at TheHeroesDie. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow and leave a rating for the podcast because algorithms are real, you have to appease them. A five-star rating goes a long way towards helping the show be introduced to new people. Enjoy today's episode. All right, I got a question for you, fellas. You go to the beach. What is the ideal equipment you're bringing? Here's the way I'm thinking about that question. Do you want a beach chair? Do you just want a towel? I know Morgan wants a boogie board. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I'm <laughs> <laughs> ashamed of it. No. Okay. Try and talk shit about a boogie board. I'll fucking wreck you. You truly can't. Boogie boarding is so fucking fun. Morgan so is so simple. sensitive about boogie boards. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Okay. Boogie boards and milk. It's like being a second class citizen in California. Wrong. Fucking surfers. <laughs> Have you seen <laughs> Point Break? Fun. Have you seen what they did to Keanu Reeves in Point Break when he broke out the boogie board? They had him marked for a cop immediately. <laughs> I'm not a cop. I just like boogie boards. <laughs> Narc. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> and the long board you rode in on. <laughs> Mine is sunscreen because I'm not irresponsible when it comes to the sunlight exposure. That's yeah, that's good. That's good. I can I can tell that yeah, that was hammered into you and me growing up pretty hard. <laughs> hey, what is that supposed to mean, Sam? Are you saying my mom was a bit of a helicopter in the game of my outside <laughs> no. time? You're gonna burn within five minutes of being outside. So I have Viking blood with none of the masculinity, okay? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. I I just I just I don't really tan. I, I you not tan at all, Sam. I can tan a little bit, but um, like Brie, for instance, I don't know where uh where it comes from, but she just walks out into the sun. And she walks back in with the suntan. Oh, so we can talk about our romantic partners on this? Yes. Okay. Yes. And Will Harold, I have seen you I'm walk sorry. out into the sun. Will Will gets a good glow. Will gets a good glow. I believe it. I believe it. Ben, I'm a, I'm pretty sure you don't. Again, very rude of me to assume. Uh, yes, I am at constant risk of skin cancer. I am like Ben. I am at a constant risk of skin cancer. I get skin cancer from looking at pictures of the sun. But I'd like to walk it back just a couple moments. Ben, yep. would you like to talk about one of your romantic partners? No, I just thought we couldn't talk about it for marketability reasons. Okay. Five cool, <laughs> cool single guys all talking about, you know, that's kind of a marketing thing. That, Another question. Uh, what is it about your romantic partners that you think is not marketable? Well, because again, you know, we're not going to date our fans that way. You know, right, if we yeah. have, let, you know, young female fans writing letters or male fans for that fact, young any fans. <laughs> or older, or older. Writing fans. us, uh, you know, seeking out our love. And all of a sudden they find out, oh, you know, these guys are actually... It takes dating a little people. bit of the mystery away. Yeah. It's especially like they don't know if any of us are dating. Right, yeah. Like we could be an item. Our, our partners, I think, are a little mysterious. I think there's good mystery in each of our relationships. For example, we didn't know Morgan had one for like 
the first year. <laughs> Over a year. <laughs> <laughs> Until we saw her dog. Do you still know? <laughs> I still haven't seen her, but I've only seen her dog. So We truly can't confirm whether Ben's partner exists because he's been doing the <laughs> she lives in a different country bit the entire time. Yeah. Specifically yeah. Japan. Ooh, yep. try Jake. Try Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, time zones. We just can't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like <laughs> I did literally just learn that it's 15 hours difference and not like 13. I've been just kind of taking stabs in the dark about well, that when changes I'm everything. Through. Yeah, it does, Morgan. It does. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> So she's only been awake for two hours when you spoke to her instead of four. Holy shit. Oh, man. I don't know. It's just that two hours that really makes a difference because otherwise you're still like kind of in the same part of your day. Shut up. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Shut up. So, Ben, it's 7.10 p.m. In Chicago right you now. You think I'm going to know what time it is over there? Of all the people you could have Well, asked. you could add 15 to that. It's morning. It's morning time for her. I don't know. I'll give her a call. What is she mourning? It's expensive to do that, Rudy. <laughs> what did you ask, Morgan? I said, what is she mourning if it's morning time? Oh. Shut the fuck up. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Yeah, I get it, Sam. Can you give her a call on WhatsApp? No, we use Line. Non-Facebook-owned map. Or Meta. And we can FaceTime sometimes every couple weeks. But she doesn't want to feel tied to her old life back here. She doesn't want to feel like she's on the computer the whole time. You're just talking to dumb old Ben back home. She wants to get out and see the world. I don't care. I'm glad for her. You know, Angie and I thought about going to Japan for our honeymoon. So maybe we'll send you a picture That'd be of great. us with her. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to go visit my family, Ben. Do you want me to say hi to Lo? Yeah, have there? fun over there. I can't go. I can't go right now. None of us can, but... Sure you can, Ben. She's having a good time, though. You're working remotely. No, they did close the border. Oh, they did? Yeah, they fully locked down. Yeah, so my, my, my uncle is coming for Christmas very last minute because he can't go see his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yuck it up. So funny now, huh, guys? I mean, it is... Uh, it's oh, still pretty. Man. Honestly, I get it. I just feel I just feel really bad for Cole's uncle. <laughs> He's pretty broken up about it. So personally, I bring a lot to the beach. Um, I usually I usually go like some kind of beverage, a towel, of course, a boogie board. I like having a chair, my badge, my service arm. My- I'm a pretty big kite nerd. Um, Morgan, what do you? Ben, that was <laughs> my badge and my service arm really got me. <laughs> just, just to cop going to the beach and always. <laughs> oh God! People just knowing him from a mile away because he's dragging a boogie board around. Just Morgan ankle. walking out there with his board shorts and the boogie board and an ankle holster. <laughs> Yeah, he has the uh, the ankle safety line for the boogie board on one leg and the ankle holster for the sidearm on the other. Oh, man. Yeah, be careful around that guy. I think he's a cop. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like a chair. I realize that I, I like kind really? of need a chair when I go to the when I go to the beach. I don't get I'm not comfortable lying down the whole time. You put an umbrella up over the chair. I wish I had an umbrella. You can get one. You know what, Sam? I'd be happy to remedy that. 
for you for this Christmas. I'm going to send you a beach umbrella. Shut the front door. Practical Christmas present. One kind of like miniature beach life hack that I've discovered living in Southern California. Beach hacks with Cop Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry you miss your girlfriend so much, Ben. I'm sure it's really hard for you. Um, (laughs) But... but, uh, Uh, you could literally just use like the um the rain like tarp to a tent and bring it to the beach and it works like an umbrella uh kyle and i do it all the time you can like just if like depending on what kind of tent you have but uh a lot of tents have like their own little like infrastructure it's like a single piece the rain fly yeah like a rain fly and they work great as like a substitute to an umbrella if you don't have one Helps you blend in with the homeless population too before you book them. And then you have to arrest some people. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're all pulling for you, Ben. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, Harold, Harold, strong beach preferences. Oh, um, you know, uh, sunglasses for me. I've got the thing where um, the sun will make me sneeze like a motherfucker, like the entire time I'm there if I don't have sunglasses on. So. Okay. All right, um, we can play this back because we do have it recorded, but I want to just acknowledge immediately that he said, I have the thing, not this thing. I have the thing. Yeah, the thing. The thing with the sun. That makes, that where it makes you sneeze. Where, where it makes you sneeze. See, you, mm. can, you knew about it. You know all about it. Yeah, suddenly pale complexion doesn't seem so stupid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben, does the sun not make you sneeze ever? It truly doesn't. I have never sneezed because I've been out in the sun. That's a thing? Wait. I didn't even know it was. I know that if I have a tickle in my nose and I look at a bright light, it will help me sneeze. But is this a completely different... Sun sneezing. It's a... That's real. I thought you were making fun of Will. It's a thing with the sneezing in the sun. No, I've never heard of sun sneezing. Mm -mm. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's real. Regardless of whether or not it's in your eyes, you just sneeze because you're out in daylight? If it's too bright outside, I will start sneezing. He's a vampire. I'm going to go ahead and throw out a, a slight um, rebuttal there, which is to say that if you're out in the sunlight, it's in your eyes, because that's the definition of being right, in the cool. sunlight. But True. No, 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 that's mm-hmm. true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Asshole. But yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, actually. It sounds like Ben, Rudy, and Morgan don't know what sun sneezing is. No. Well, let's talk about my personal medical history on this podcast. Why don't we? Let's you know. Let's do a segment called. Let's do a segment called. Let's check out Will's medicine cabinet. Let's dive in. Let's go for it. <laughs> what do you got in there, Will? What's that yeah. tune? What's that? Cream? I'm in love with what Morgan just sent us all, which is the technical name: autosomal compelling helioophthalmic outburst photosneezia. Yeah, the thing. Legitimately, why is it the thing with the sun sneezing? Because I knew it had this fucking ridiculous name, and I d- was never going to remember that. I almost got How through photosneezing through evolution. How does that get along? Uh, well, Ben, there's a helpful diagram. <laughs> the wiki, the Wikipedia does does show how it happens. It's oh, autosomal shit, you're not dominant. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, this is a documented thing. Will, you're not a nerd. Well, (laughs) okay, fucking back it up. Yeah. (laughs) Fair, 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 fair. So, you sneeze at the beach. I imagine that means you don't go. I just wore the sunglasses. That's good. Are they anti-sneeze sunglasses? It's just Groucho Marx glasses, but with uh, (laughs) tinted lenses. (laughs) Comes with the nose, the nose with the help. Keeps the sneeze contained. (laughs) Cool. What do you bring to the beat? So I'm going to 
open with like, I don't like the beach very much. I gotta be, I gotta be very honest about that. I'm not a huge fan. No, listen, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. It's just not the nature that I, I strive for. And so to that end, like, I think the most fun that I have at beaches are beach bonfires. I love beach bonfires. So if I'm going to the beach, I'm going there at 9 p.m. with a car full of illicit Northern California wood that you're not allowed to burn, but I'm 17. So I don't know, get off my back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm lighting up a bonfire and having some hot dogs. And that's Just that's my best beach day. Bunch of illegal wood and a couple gallons of white gas. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set that shit on fire. Yep. That's nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, so yeah, Cole, fully clothed for nighttime yeah. beach Shoes bonfire. and socks. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Nope. Don't want anybody looking at me. Don't want anybody, uh, don't, don't want to interact with sand, really. Not my, not I my hate, deal. I hate getting sandy. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Mm. Can't stand it. On that note, we're a little dust up a couple sessions ago with Nemia, who's now dead. This is the same transition I used last week. It's good as gold. So, (laughs) sucks. uh, Last session, last session, y'all woke up the day after the fight with Nemia. You buried her, laid her to rest, I should say. The mayor came by and he asked y'all for help given some disturbances and odd occurrences in the town. Then Duke's eyes and ears came back. They'd gathered some intel in town and they reported it to you. It did have to do a lot with what the mayor had already told you about. And you decided to start out by going to the mill to investigate the disappearance of the miller's family. Now, before we get into that, I'd like to take you to the edge of the Verduran Forest. And sitting above a cliff, riddled with caves, is the Monastery of the Brotherhood of the Holy Spirits. The monastery is a sprawling compound encircling an impressive courtyard. Now, this doubles as both training ground and a killer place for regular celebrations. The Brotherhood's legendary liquor, Kai Lort, is produced in distilleries on the lower levels, and aged for decades in the caves underneath. Tonight, on the top floor, in a sparse novice cell, we see a dwarf with frustrated tears in their eyes as they practice the forms of the rapier. Their name is Detris Dweltdeep, a young champion and the star pupil of the Brotherhood. Soon, a larger, clumsier figure enters the cell. Detris wipes their face quickly. Detris! We missed you at supper. Brother Tamer actually seemed concerned, but I told him you were just practicing yourself, which I kind of was hoping would be, uh, you know, an interesting lie instead of the, you know, boring truth. Thanks, Druk. Uh, let's catch up tomorrow. Don't you think you've done enough? I mean, you've scored three points on Brother Katarina today, and they say your fencing is nearly as good as Caden's when he was your age. Let's go steal some food from the larder and sneak onto the roof. Count. Got to keep practicing. Detris, why? You already make the rest of us look bad pretty much in every subject. You're... You're the most talented person I've ever known. Dr- you don't understand. I need to keep practicing because I'm good at those things. Talent's more than just a gift. It's a responsibility. I need to make the most of what I've been given so that when it matters, I'm ready. Oh, what um, what if we're not sure that we have like any talents? 
Druk, you're full of talents. You know, I'm just not that sure sometimes. I mean, I'm not good in lessons, and I keep on... Sorry, like... sorry. Could you hand me that bandage from the top shelf up there? Yeah, sure. Of course. Druk reaches up and grabs the bandage, handing it to his smaller friend. There you go, Druk. Did you know that I have to borrow a ladder from Brother Bryson every time I need to get something from that fucking shelf? Everyone has different gifts, like height or smarts or agility. And that's what makes it so important to make the most of what you have so that you can be a help to others. Our talents are supposed to be shared. I really like that, actually. There's a beat, and it looks like Druk has more to say. Detris smiles and interrupts. You know what? Maybe one of your talents is knowing when to encourage others to take a break and have some fun. I'd be really proud of that. I've got an idea. Meet me by the steps to the aging caves in 10 minutes. Bring food. Druk beams and starts to run out the door. You were pretty good with that bow today too. And we fade back in to the circus tents with just a little bit more background on your friend and mine, Andruk. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, excellent. Well done. That was fun. That was beautiful, guys. That was so lovely to listen to. I think there's something we can all learn from that too. That's pretty cool, you know? (laughs) We were aiming for a very special episode of tonight's podcast. (laughs) Featuring Tom Hanks as Druk's alcoholic uncle. (laughs) That's next episode. Yeah, he's uh, probably going (laughs) to die. So y'all are headed out to the mill. Sound right? Yeah. I've heard of it. You know how to get there. The way has been described to you. It's about a mile and a half. So you get your things together, taking your time. You're there within 20, 30 minutes. Nice. Things that you know about it, the Hofton family has operated the mill for generations. And it's been a fixture of the town for that long. The current miller is Sirai Hofton. You approach the mill from the east, traveling west. And we can go to the map. New map. First new map. Yeah. First New Map. First New Map, baby. First New Map. We had two maps. There was the circus map and... Fucking... Okay. We... Cool. uh, All right. Thank you. I just know that it's hard for Sam to put these maps together for us, and I want to give him props for it. I'm sorry. Everything we learned about Andrew, he would have been like, yeah, man, first New Map. Party time. Excellent. Let's go. It's called fucking acting, Cole. Wow. Damn, he's good. Can I get wow. Claude good. on here as well, please? Claude didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Claude had an abscessed hoof, and unfortunately, we did have to put him down. Along the <laughs> oh, there's Claude. There he is. He ran away in the last fight because he got He paranoid. was killed during the refresh. <laughs> Y'all are on the eastern edge of the mill. You may remember from the Eyes and Ears report that there may be some wasps in this place. As well as the fact that it doesn't have the air of a place that was left intentionally. And as you approach it, that does seem to be the case. You can see the mill in the water on the far side of the building from where you are. Mm. Uh, It's still turning, but the place does feel empty as you approach it. What do you do? 
Do we want to walk the perimeter to see if there's any signs of life? Yes, I, I agree with you, Sven. It might be best to see what we can learn before we open the door to a potential hive. Perhaps we... Nope, I don't have a further idea. Leighton would start doing that. <laughs> I think we say tight together. Indeed. Uh, I'm going to start walking north towards the, the riverbed. Sam, what combination of, like, nature survival would we be able to roll here? What are you trying to determine? I think Leighton is particularly interested in what kind of wasps we might be faced with, and if he can find any evidence on the exterior of the mill of their sort of, whatever, tunneling in, you know? Yeah, from where you are, you just don't have enough information. You look up as you approach and move away from the building in your circumnavigation, the buzzing may increase. You know, as you get closer to the axle, there may be a little bit of air in there. You might hear the buzzing peak, but you put your eye up to it, maybe you don't see anything. Hmm. And we can't cross over top of the axle, right? We would have to go back all the way, all the way around the building to fully get to the perimeter. You can get past the axle of the mill wheel right there, but when you do, you're looking at uh, a short rock wall up uh, about 10 feet beyond it, right? And that raises up and it corresponds with a rise in the stream, which is where they've positioned this mill wheel. So it is a little bit of like a cascade there that drives the mill wheel. Yeah. Uh, I want to pass through. Yeah, so you do your circumnavigation. Not a whole lot to learn. It looks like there's a bigger warehouse workspace in the center there. On the eastern edge of the building, there's a fenced-in area, maybe some loose slats or something like that, peek through, garden area, pumpkin patch. And the main work area has a door on the south side of the building, sort of in the center. And are we looking at four doors here? I see one in sort of like the northwest, southwest, and then what almost looks like a double door on the due south face. Yeah. You've got two doors on the south, one on the south side of the building, on the western edge of that wall, one south, a little bit east, 10 feet in from the southeastern corner of the building. And then up top on the northern side of the building, you've got one door about five feet east of the northwestern corner. I don't know that I see a particularly better approach from any one direction than another. Do any of you have an opinion? I don't. Uh, maybe we just uh, take a listen at the door and then see ourselves in. Best of luck. Yeah, uh, I'm going to listen at this door. Up there, you're about 10 to 15 feet above the eastern half of the building where you hear the buzzing most strongly. Does that make sense, Ben? Kind of, yeah. So where Sven is right now, to the west of this strip of rock on the map mm -hmm. here, this rock face represents a 10 to 15 foot rise in ground level. And the building reflects that. Right. right? So the build, so this door that you are at right now on the southwestern side of the building is 15 feet above this door on the southeastern side, which is where everybody else is standing. Okay. And the buzzing is more present at the doors that we are near than the door that he is near. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I think you might want to come up here with me. Well, um, 
I'm not certain that Claude will be able to make that climb. Do we need the horse to fight the bees? Layton tilts to look at you over the tops of his glasses. Yes. Good. Uh, or the horse. Um, okay, then. I guess we go head on into the swarm. And I'm gonna, yeah, walk back around. And that 15-foot climb happens on either side of the building, north or south. So you can just, you know, scramble down on okay. the same side of the building that you were on. Cool. Just to give you a sense of the geography. So yeah, you listen at that door, you definitely hear buzzing. Are we hellbent on fighting the bees? I wonder if there's... Yeah, perhaps we just open the doors and hope the bees fly out, no? I think we are hellbent on solving the problem. Any way forward is welcome, Eugene. If you see an alternative to combat, I'm always happy not to kill. Well, do we have anything that would attract the bees? So that they would fly out and not attack us? Another thing we could do that might not be lethal is to uh, light a torch and smoke them out. Very interesting. I'm into that. Would we perhaps want to open that door up there then and see if we toss the smoke in here, have them all... Yeah. Yes, I think that's a good idea. I'd prefer not to harm the bees if we could help it. Oh, the smoking will not harm them. It will just agitate them. It'll just make them go away, I think. Yes. But I'm no beekeeper, Eugene. I'm no beekeeper. Can I roll a nature check to see if the smoke would harm them, Sam, or if it would just make them sort of docile? Yeah. Uh, that's a 15. 15 nature check? You don't think it would harm them because they would leave? Got it, yeah. I, I think it is uh, probably not terribly harmful, Eugene. I think they would avoid it naturally uh, and come to no ill effect. I guess my follow-up is, would they then attack us after they were forced to leave? Mm. Perhaps not if we stay in the smoke. And I also think we stand a better chance of getting away from them out here than we do in there. Fair enough. Just teamwork. <laughs> so do we want me to go upstairs there, open up that door once we're ready to toss in the smoke, and uh, and maybe give it some good clearance? Yes, who, who has the bale of hay with them? Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a torch. I, do, I don't know if that would be... Uh, you, can, you can also produce flame. I can cast produce uh, flame. I, I could. I could, but that's more of a flame thing than a smoke thing. I, I think that would definitely harm the bees. But if I if I uh, set alight a torch, I could produce the smoke, I think, that would ward them off. I mean, uh, just thinking from how this is done in the real world, right? Like, they use not maybe anymore, but in traditional beekeeping, they would have used, like, wet hay, right? Or, like, wet grasses to produce the, the most, like, ebullient smoke they could. So, Sam, is there any way that we could just collect grass from around here, wet it in the stream, and set it on fire at the top level? Yeah. Uh, it would be the lower level, right? That you're trying to... Yeah. The lower level is where you believe the bees are. Okay. Right. Sure. Where the mill is. <clears throat> All right. Just people were saying do it at the top level. But, yes, sure. People are idiots. I think the idea was that we were opening a no, door. No, we open up the, the other... top door yeah. to let the bees out through the top door. Oh, I understand. I'm sorry. Got it. Yeah, we don't want the bees coming out at our face. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, you might you might be able to do that. Um, you can give me a knowledge nature check or a survival check to try to make a smoky fire, right? Survival being sort of the inverse of it. You know how to make a smokeless fire. Right. And if, every, and if anybody wants to give me a society, a nature... I want to give you a nature check. Yeah. What, what, what lore checks do people have? Underworld. 
I have Halfling and Absalon. Okay. Legal and Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I have society in spades. Yeah, give me... You can give me a society check. Dice rolling, on other hand, I have in clubs. That'll be a 14. 14? What else are we getting? I could only do nature. Yeah, I can roll nature. Uh, That's uh, it. Yeah, 12. Nature. 16. All right. 16 nature ties in close enough to farming and the attendant or adjacent idea of milling that you'd be worried about open flames in a mill. Oh, yes. All that dried grain might be a bit flammable, no? And the dust. Yeah. It's the oh, dust that might be... You'd, you'd, wor- you'd, you'd worry about it not knowing what's in there. Hear me out. Instead of smoking them out, what if we produce something that was attractive to them that they might gravitate towards? Do you know what such a thing would be, Eugene? A horse. <laughs> I was going to say Sven, a jar of honey. Such things will not be permitted. It was just a joke. I do not find it humorous, and nor does Claude. They did, though. They all laughed. <laughs> right, guys? Yeah. Drew feels very bad for laughing. He is <clears throat> getting a, getting his game face on. Jar of honey. I've got a, um, remember that feather token that produces a holly bush? Gives me some berries we could maybe mash up to make something sweet. Let's use it for this. What other gear do we have? Uh, I, I, di- I didn't mean that facetiously. Facetiously? Whatever the fuck the word is, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia about the word facetious, it has all of the vowels in it in alphabetical order. Oh, yeah. thanks, Sam. Yeah. yeah. I think we coat one of us in honey and send them in there as a sacrifice. <laughs> and then if they make it out of there, good. And the bees are out of there too. I volunteer myself as tribute. <laughs> I had a good sugary breakfast, so there's also that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think any of us have that much honey, friend. Um, no, I don't I'm either. not sure anyone has that much honey, to be honest. <laughs> I mean... I feel like almost certainly Eugene has access to that amount of honey, given his trade, but perhaps not in our current position. You guys, what's the plan? I don't think we have a way forward. I think we're going to hurt the bees, ultimately. (laughs) We hurt the bees or we hurt the place. So, um... Eugene, we're going to play... We're going to follow your orders here. What do you you think? Morgan shrugged his shoulders. (laughs) Who knew this is where the campaign ended? (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, I guess it's over. It's just, this is like mist. I'm going home. Let's uh, let's smoke them out. Come on, let's try the it. old-fashioned way. So the mill sets on fire. We'll we'll put it out with. Yeah, something. certainly we're close enough to water. We can mitigate yeah, any disaster. Yeah, do a whole the line. The family could still be in there. It is an absolute non-starter. Oh, we well, if they're in there, then they've got more problems on their hands. What <laughs> with the bees in there than a fire. So, all right. Let's get set. I'll open the door on three. All righty, then. Very good. I'm going to go up here and open up the door. The professor takes out a torch that is in his gear, Sam. Something he has. Mm-hmm. And gives it the old uh, halakahooty. And, uh, Wait a minute. So what is the plan right now? We're going to smoke him out. No, we're not. That is what Andre just said he absolutely refused to do. <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. 
I did sort of think that as well. You were just going in there and punching bees. They did fighting bees with our what hands. What you choose to do with the bees is up to you. <laughs> let we're not going to let a fire where there could be children upstairs. That doesn't make any sense. How about we crack open the door? Hey, any kids in there living with these bees right now in harmony? No. Okay, good. Then we take care of the bees, right? We're, we're just smoking out the bees. We're not setting fire to anything. What if we just opened the door and looked inside? We're just going to open the door. All right? All right. <laughs> yeah, take the horse to take a little peek, maybe. <laughs> I believe the risks to Claude's well-being far outweigh any yeah. benefit of him being the first person to handle these wasps. He, he has no means of calming them or fighting them by okay, himself. Okay, I'll open the door. Let's do this thing. Wow. First group argument. What a milestone. You know, it's healthy. It's normal. No, um, no, I agree going to get stung alive by bees. It's all about good communication. I think really we've done a really good job of it today, communicating our fears and our and our hopes for today's, ex- uh, you know, excitement. Um, all right, go ahead, Sven. I'm ready. I open the door. You open the door and you see a 35 by 35 foot room, big mill in the northern portion. I will reveal the area. God, it's and- just one large bee. <laughs> one large single bee <laughs> can you see that yeah no no, no we can't see the bee <laughs> oh it's in the room no. I can't no, see the all, all nope. we can see is the bill yep. why are you about to reveal the one Invisible large bee, bee? <laughs> <laughs> god son of a gun it's supposed, supposed to be on GM layer what the heck <laughs> So you open, and yeah, there's bees, like, everywhere. You also see some fine dusts throughout the room. It seems like a perpetual feature of this place. And the idea, yeah, it's a lot of cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, the Millers. They were Uh, an economic staple for a reason. Intergenerational. Professor pulls out his spoon chain. (laughs) These bees are cranked up. There's only one way to fight this. Yeah. And up on the ceiling, you see an enormous hive. And that seems to be the epicenter of the bees. Oh. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to call out to hear if there's anybody alive in there. Hello? Is there anybody in here with the bees? (laughs) Okay. I think we can burn the place down. There's no one in here. Sam, from what we can see, are these bees or are these like insane killer bees or like weird fantasy bees? Can someone give me a nature check? Who's looking in the door? I will do it. 23. 24. Yeah, 23 and a 24. You recognize wasps. So these don't look like honeybees. No. Hmm. What do you do? Let's go. I want to reclose the door (laughs) real quick before (laughs) you. Okay, so Sven closes the door. What then happens? I think we have to burn them out. My, my fear is that if we blow up the mill, we will hamper the economy of the town. But I, I do think we should be able to smoke them out without blowing the mill up. If we put in a low-lying fire, it shouldn't combust with the dust in the air. But I don't know. I don't make up the physics rules of this world. All we need to do is set enough wood in the center of the room, and I can produce flame from out here. I don't think that's going to work, Doc. I think I think we got to keep the flames outside of the building. Oh, no need, no need for titles. Professor will do just fine. 
What if we like light the fire outside of the building and then use like a fan to get the smoke inside? A capital yes. idea. Brilliant. Great. So that sounds like a plan that you guys could do. Yeah, yes, let's do, do it. it. Okay, cool. Uh, shall, I, shall I crack the top door open so they fly out that way? Yes, good. Yes, I'll excellent. crack the top door. So yeah, I think if there are like woods nearby, Leighton and Claude could take 20 minutes and we could like drag, you know, some wood over, wet it in the stream and get it ready to burn nice and smoky. Okay, cool. Ben, when Sven tries to open that door, it opens about an inch and then hits something. It opens inward. Mm-hmm. That's still enough space for bees to climb out. That will do. Okay. Duke's got a big cape. He's probably going to uh, get get it ready to use as like a fan. Okay, cool. So you take some time. You get some wood wet. Uh, how do you light it? Professor. I will produce the flame. We're roping this into the, some of those nature checks as well. Yeah, yeah. So some dry kindling, some wet wood. Then you're going to try to wave it in to the work area. Who's laying the fire? Two of you can lay the fire. And it's going to be a nature check to lay the fire. Oh, I'm sorry. Or survival. It's going to be a survival check. Set up the wood. Yeah, you're going to use a survival check to set up the fire. I'm happy to work with you on that, Eugene. I feel like we have the highest survival, I think, in the group. Yes, I believe so. And that sounds awesome. Great. Okay, so the two of you are going to do that. Then we are going to have two people wafting it in. Is there another job or is it three people wafting it in? Talk to me about this plant. I think two is plenty to waft, right? Yeah. And then maybe Sven is just ready in case something comes flying at us. Uh, we might want Sven and I to be like athletic seeing the, the wafting, I'm guessing. Sure. I understand. Yes, I think that you're going to have those two uh, athletic seeing the wafting. And Professor, we can have you in the back. What do you, what would you, what do you see the Professor doing in this situation? I was going to produce the flame and try and maintain it. Like, you know, keeping flame going in and stuff. That seems to make the most sense to me. Okay, great. Let me get those two nature checks uh, from the nature boys. You want survival? Yes, not nature, survival. Thank cool. you. Yep. 19. 19. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> 18. 18 and a 19 to get a smoky fire going. Yeah, you guys are like, um, I guess we just break all the rules we've ever <laughs> learned about smoking a fire. I, I mean, I haven't really done this before. And that is exactly what an 18 and a 19 sound like to me, right? You've seen smoky fires before. You know how to avoid them. And one of the things that you know to do is get plenty of dry twin kindling because you need it to light, right? It needs to get hot enough to heat that those wet logs up. So you get that dry kindling underneath you know, just like stuff some newspaper in, something like that. And then, boom, the professor produces flame underneath it. It lights. It starts crackling merrily. There's a lot of smoke billowing out of it right now. Give me athletics check. Big boys who are fanning the flames in. Mm. Uh, that'll be 12. Yeah, I got a 13 total with athletics. Small boys. So, <laughs> small boys. Small boys. Uh, so those are fails. And they start just fanning the flames back and forth at one another. And it's like, they're, like, they're feeling the flame. They're feeling the wind from the other person. They're like, oh, this is great. We're definitely doing it. The fire starts spluttering out just a little bit. Your, your fanning is not pushing it into the building. Give me another athletics check. 14. I, I got a 20 that time. Natural 20. A natural 20 and a 14. 
Yeah, so that is one success. And you see the smoke is starting to billow in. You're also oxygenating the fire, producing more smoke. However, on the other side, it's definitely lacking. And not all of the smoke that the fire is producing is going in right now. Sven just can't seem to get the rhythm. Give me another round of athletics check. Ben, I don't know if you want to think about using another die or quitting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leaving the party forever. Oh, uh, 18. 18. I got a 16. 18 and a 16, two successes, two successes. So you're able to blow a bunch of smoke in. And now there's a little bit of a draft working in the door. It's sucking in on the bottom. Hotter air is pushing out on the top. And you've got a nice little draft going. You're seeing smoke go into the building. As the smoke is going into the building and it sort of begins to self-perpetuate, you hear the zzzz and it starts to reach a fever pitch. And then... The wasp swarm swoops down and out of this lower window, and it finds people. Eugene, Leighton, Druk, give me reflex saves. Ooh, 16. Natural 20. The wasp swarm is a large creature. It's a 10 foot by 10 foot square. It swoops out of the door, and they are now just coding Andruk, Leighton, and Eugene. We just got reflex saves. That's a 20 or natural 20. Natty Twanzoni. Natural Twanzoni for Polaton. Eugene, what are you working with? 17. 17, and that was a 16 from Druk. Leighton, that is an auto pass. That is a fail from the other two folks. What? Oh. Oh, you lucky sons of guns. You lucky sons of guns. I can't believe I just failed with a 17. On 2d8, you are taking three points of piercing damage. I know. It's frustrating and devastating. You're talking about your experience of not doing more damage to them, Sam? That's extremely rude. (laughs) Yeah, devastating. Devastunting. Along with that, because you did not pass the reflex save, you are exposed to wasp venom. You are going to take five points of poison damage. Whoa. Sam, did I take half from the original thing or do I take none? Oh, it's a critical success, so I take Yeah, so you take no damage. And the other two failed, they take full damage. So y'all begin slapping, 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 and they gone. Excellent. That was a good plan, guys. Well done. Nice. Well done. Doesn't feel like a good plan. Throats <laughs> <laughs> are closing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, all of your EpiPens are gone. They're back in camp. <laughs> so that's it. You guys got away with uh, eight points of damage for those of you who didn't pass it. But the smoke plan got the wasps out. One little incident. And now you can walk into the mill. You don't hear any more buzzing. Can I detect magic? Yes, you detect magic. You do not detect magic. Always a fun sentence. Uh, I imagine Leighton, that that reflex save was him grabbing like the saddle blanket off of Claude and whipping it around himself and hiding under it. Yeah. So he like takes it off, folds it up, puts it back on Claude. Well, uh, almost harmless. Sorry, Druk and Eugene. That was unfortunate. Fucking snakes, fucking rats, fucking wasps. These fucking druids. <laughs> so 
this spacious chamber is two stories high and has a well-fitted stone floor. In the center of the space, a millstone grinds away, rotated by a wooden shaft projecting through the north wall, the wooden shaft that you stepped over or climbed under earlier. A second level of the house overlooks the room from the west. A table and four chairs are visible near the top of a sturdy ladder in the northwestern corner of the room. A double door leads east. A massive wasp's nest hangs from the ceiling in the center of the room. Now, with those nature checks from earlier, you'd know that the smoke wouldn't keep them out forever, right? It is... You're not sure if the queen is gone or whatnot. This isn't a forever solution. But for now, the bulk of the wasps are gone, given the smoke. Do we see any sort of nest or um, hive? Yeah, the hive is in the ceiling in the center of the room, like 30 feet up. 30 feet. Okay. I believe to make it habitable again, we'll have to find a way to remove the hive. Yeah. I mean, I can take a shot at it. Please do. I support this. Okay. I'm going to take an arrow shot at the uh, bow shot at the nest up in the room. What are you trying to do with this here bow shot? Uh, Knock it down. So on this upper level here that you could get to via that ladder, and you can see from where you're standing on the lower level, you think you could get a better angle on the thread connecting the hive to the roof than you could from where you are right now. So if your goal is not destruction of the nest, but rather preservation of it after having it cut down, you think that you might be able to like climb through some rafters and stuff like that to try to get there and snip it, or you could try to hit it with an arrow from where you are. Eugene, I got no love for wasps here, but if you think we should try to save this nest, yeah, I mean, I can give it my good effort. Uh, just... I'm stepping out of character for a second. I'm still navigating exactly how Eugene (laughs) reacts with uh, various sorts of nature and stuff. I'm looking for some guidance, Sam, because I don't want to just be jealously metagaming or doing something that feels untrue. But the way that I read the wild druid breakdown is that you always look to preserve nature until it's been hostile to you. And then fuck it at that point. (laughs) Um, so I think Eugene tried very hard to not do something violent to the wasps before he went in once we've been stung by them and whatnot then I don't know I'm I'm having a hard time navigating if he would still be no I totally hear that because it's not like like all right so the wasps attacked us and then they left right because that is I think part of like the heart and soul of nature is not sticking around for unnecessary damage right or unnecessary violence so they they're gone they're left and now we've got a druid in there who's like hey i I wasn't gonna try to kill these dudes before they fucked with us but now like are we really gonna go after their home because we took eight points of damage like i don't know about that um so i think it makes a lot of sense for eugene to be reluctant to just destroy the wasp nest cool so um stepping back into character yeah, but but also I don't want to be I don't want to be playing playing him for you like that's obviously that's definitely your call. But if you're getting a feel for it, it makes sense that he would try to be like that he would re- be reluctant to just just wantonly destroy it for the sake of it. I agree. Okay, I think he's gonna be like, yeah, Drake. I think it best if you can use your talents to shoot it down because these wasps they aren't bad dudes. 
they're just a little shaken up. Time for good buddy. All right, and uh, Druk will then try to climb up those stairs or the steps to um to the upper level. Yeah. So this ladder right here. Yeah. Right. So you climb the ladder right there. No climb check necessary. <laughs> Stand next to some bizarrely tiny chairs. And uh, Eugene, perhaps you'd like to take the other side of this blanket with me, and we might try to catch the hive so that it doesn't break when it hits the ground. Oh, I'll catch it for sure. Oh, I mean, if you just want to barehand it, that's your prerogative, I guess. <laughs> but there might be some wasps inside it. The blanket might help. Not honestly a deterrent for me. <laughs> uh, okay. The the blanket the blanket is in use that obviously makes a lot or is, unless Eugene is opposed to it sorry that just sounded like it made, made a lot of sense to me Layton can use the blanket and I will be using my paws awesome Layton will um, stand next to him with the blanket ready should it be required okay great so Druk you take careful aim you see the connection point between the ceiling and the hive roll them dice the nine on the die for nineteen total. 19 total and you just rush past it you don't damage the nest you're right next to it it's a little bit thinner and the hive just starts going okay oh shit sorry i was going off the table 15 plus 10 is oh is that my second attack no you have time okay great uh 25 then yeah, just as quickly as possible. Just Legolas on the shield skateboard down oh, the steps no. of Helm's Deep. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I he hates the nest. <laughs> he hates this nest. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that question. And uh, I think that Druk is taking careful time and, you know, it'd be the next round. He'd wait a couple seconds, line yeah. up, take a breath. And so you with a 25 clean through it it drops straight down give me reflex saves the two who are trying to catch it i think eugene and layton uh layton give me yours first or not layton sorry eugene give me yours first please oh no <laughs> uh that's a nine Okay, so that's a nine, and uh, Leighton, it bounces off of Eugene's fingertips uh, with the blanket. Give yourself a plus four. 22. 22, yes! you catch it! Yes! It's like the, oh God, what is that awesome classic, uh, like Nintendo 8-bit um, where you're the trampoline guy at the bottom of the burning building? Oh, uh, Game & Watch. Game & Watch, thank you, yes. My goodness, Rudy, again, hats off. So you catch it in the blanket. Eugene is right there next to you. Eugene, give me a nature check. Uh, it's uh, 20. It's, it's, uh, yeah. 20, great. You look down at the hive in Layton's blanket, and you can see at the top that there is some non-wasp action going on. What Druk shot through is not a naturally occurring substance, and you believe that this hive had been moved there by somebody else. Motherfuckers. Now, I imagine that you'll want to deal with the hive uh, at some point, but you also know that that wasp swarm may be coming back. What do you do with the hive right now? Is it going outside? Are you trying to relocate it immediately? What's going on? Team, do you have a vote for what we do with it? Outside? I'm pro-relocation. We take it outside. 
for sure. Yeah, you take it outside. I imagine you get it uh, X number of feet away from the front door. You set it down. Bees are bizarrely intelligent around this shit. You know they'll be able to find it again. Uh, there are some wasps that are crawling around outside of you. Eugene, you know how to handle them well enough. Uh, you're able to put it down without getting stung in any significant way again. You go back into the mill. So before we go back in, Sam, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, if I can roll again, fine. If it's final, whatever. What exactly do I see indicating non-wasp stuff? Is there anything that I can gain out of examining it? So what, what you see isn't uh, the specifics of the material aren't that important, right? They are a different color. You see, if you were trying to reattach a wasp nest somewhere else, right? In wasps, it's basically like paper mache. This is a homespun version of that. It may not be paper mache because paper is far more expensive in this universe, but you see a humanoid made mixture of something that resembles wasp paper. And you believe that this wasp nest was like relocated by somebody who was not a wasp. <laughs> okay. Understood. Somebody who's not a wasp. <laughs> Guys, listen up. <laughs> Might not be apparent to all of you right now, but I think whoever stuck this nest up on that ceiling was not a wasp. <laughs> If you know what I'm uh, saying. One of those wasp fetishes. That's more confusing to me. You get it, Professor. Uh, up where you are, Druk, yeah. this is clearly a living area. There's that small round table that you can see. There are three chairs. There's a counter for food prep, cupboards, kitchen supplies. Food might be in there. And there are two doors out of this space. One is on this southern wall down here. And one is on this little annex area. Uh, in the center, but on a north of the wall to the south. <laughs> what? Sam. They're going to eat this shit up. <laughs> oh, fuck me, man. There's a, there's a full a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1080 eye roll that Sam just dropped on his own fucking delivery. <laughs> there's, a door to this, there's a door in this southern wall. I'm not going to call this the northern wall, okay? But there's another fucking door there, too. Into this other room. Picture of this, you will, folks. <laughs> oh, Ben, get fucked. <laughs> You've been in a room, guys, and there's like walls around you. There's one to your north, one maybe to your south. So you're looking around up there, Andruk, and you do see recent scorch marks on some of the walls in certain places up there. I think I'll let the team know and let them know that I'm going to start poking around up there if they want to join me. Um, so I guess I'll open the door to the north, please. Opening the door to the north. Layton will join you. You open the door to the north. Is everyone else staying down below? No. We'll head up there. Really pack it in. Yeah. Uh, Sven will stay downstairs just to keep an eye out for the bees, just in case they make a return. Hey. Sounds good. Never mind. Is there a chest I see? So this room is very clearly the room of a younger person. The walls are decorated with paintings of various fantastical beasts, a couple of Josh Hartnett posters. There's a Hydra <laughs> on one wall, a Manticore, a Centaur, a Phoenix. Oh, how old are you? Um, <laughs> I know. I know. It's bad. 
I don't know who else is hot anymore. Are we talking like 40 Days and 40 Nights Josh Hartnett or Obviously. Pearl Harbor Josh Hartnett? Uh, Black Dahlia Josh Hartnett. It's this Not that hot. Penny Dreadful Josh Hartnett. Pearl, Pearl Harbor Josh Hartnett might be the best part of Pearl Harbor. He's great yeah. in Sin There's City. There's not a lot of good parts. <laughs> it's a low I bar. I like the attack on Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of the movie is the attack. Um, okay if i'm being honest it would feel irresponsible if next week sam didn't start this podcast by asking us what the best part of pearl harbor is (laughs) so everybody do your fucking homework show up ready to talk about the only piece of historical drama michael bay has ever created well pearl harbor much like the titanic sinking they share the same problem the historical event wasn't nearly as interesting as the false romantic narrative that they put into the I was really hoping that Rudy, <laughs> I'm sorry. Rudy was going to say uh, they neither of them happened. All <laughs> <laughs> historical fiction for a reason. For we're, not, we're not talking about the moon landing. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say that everybody knows how they end, but no, uh, you didn't. Is it weird for me to say I want to search this kid's bedroom? It is weird for you to say it. It's extremely weird. Yeah, you fucking pervert. Yeah. There's a number of other ways you could have gone about it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying it like that, for sure weird, Will. Uh, Are there any other questions that you feel like you need to ask this group of people? So yeah, you look through you look through the 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 dresser, the chest of drawers, the chest there. You find some dresses, they're durable. Uh, finely made, not too, too much. Uh, uh, Sam, can I detect magic in the north, but not northest wall, north, north? <laughs> yeah, you detect, you don't, you you cast the spell, detect magic, and you detect no magic. And there's that chest is just full of mundane bullshit. Mundane bullshit, yeah. Just some really, like, nice Josh Hartnett figurines. <laughs> uh, super topical and relevant. <laughs> From all of his various roles. Yeah. <laughs> As a fighter pilot. Yep. <laughs> you head down to the next room. Uh, this is clearly the master bedroom. Uh, several vases containing dried flowers stand atop sturdy shelves, and you see a heavy armoire that has fallen. You also see a cracked door to the outside just beyond it. You think that this is what Sven was bumping into when he opened the door. And I should say it has fallen face down. And open. You can see the doors winged out on either side of it. Andrew, do you think you could lift that and I can get a look underneath? I'm afraid I haven't the um, strength of arms. Yeah, I can give it a try. Yeah, so give me an athletics trick. Um, 15 plus 5 is 20. 15 plus 5 is 20. And you... And it budges just a tiny bit and then... Crashes back down. It's, a, it's like an extra heavy, it's one of those extra heavy cabinets. Yeah, uh, um, absolutely. I can tell. I can see that. And no individual could do this alone. It's impossible. Hold on. Um, and Leighton will call down. Friends, the mightiest cabinet that has ever been has foiled our own Andruk. Might we provide him with assistance in this most foul of nemesis fights? Druk? Like clocks the sarcasm and uh, uh, just chooses dead ass. That is absolutely sincere. Okay. <laughs> Lawful good. Good. Okay. Sure. 
Droop can still clock what he thinks. Is <laughs> That's awesome. true. You may clock whatever you like. I'm don't just letting fucking, you, you know. Don't get, you don't get to write how he receives it, Cole. That is true. You are absolutely right. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Leighton is being sincere. He does not intend sarcasm. But you so may, of us, course, take give, it how give, you choose. Give us a perception check. Uh, 27. I'm so glad I'm using that role on, on this. <laughs> yeah so feel free again to the morgan is right don't let us play your character but um if you want he can he can see all of the sincerity in uh everything that leighton just said well the druke is touched and remembers not to lie as much in front of leighton <laughs> is anybody coming upstairs to help him uh yeah all right he's fin get that keister upstairs and andruk you're in there as well right yeah i'll just move over there Okie dokie. So uh, that's going to drop the DC a bit. Give me two athletics checks. One from each of you. 21. Uh, 23. 21, 23. Yeah. Both of you lift with your legs on this one and it flies up. Both of you walk away from this thinking you could have done this on your own. I'll leave it up to you to how you react to that. As you do that, however, (laughs) the air kicks up and you see a small humanoid that had been trapped underneath who appears to be made of oh I don't know air? Holy shit. Meta? Is he made of bees? I definitely (laughs) thought he was going to be made of bees. (laughs) Sorry, this is my boyfriend. He's made of bees. (laughs) Oh my god, it's Josh Hartnett. It's Josh Hartnett, who is obviously made of bees. Oh, it's literal Josh Hartnett. Oh my but Roll for initiative. Uh oh. Don't do a prank on me. I just, I hate this. Uh, perception? Perceptione. Oh, get after it. <laughs> All right. Sam, before we get into combat, is this method visually different than the river methods we ran into? Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. Rattle off those initiatives for me, please. Uh, Sven got an 18. The professor got a 25. Leighton also got a 25. Right, huh? Druk's at 11. Right, huh? Excellent, excellent, excellent. The Professor and Leighton, y'all are going first. The Professor is down below. Leighton, you're up top. How do you handle this? Can I roll a knowledge check, please? Yes. What am I rolling? A nature check. Awesome. That's a 17. You believe that you are looking at an air method. Got it. And what kind of information are you interested in with air methods? Uh, first thing I want to know is alignment. The alignment on an air method is neutral. Hmm. Okay, great. It is an air method. Uh, cousin to the tricksters we met before. Though he looks rather angry. Careful, my friends. And Leighton will then... I'm not going to blow a first level spell to start off. Okay. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god. Come back. Dice, please. Uh, Leighton is going to cast Forbidding Ward. He's going to step... Oh, he can't, so he can only cast it on Sven, because he can't see Druk. That sucks. Um, Leighton is going to cast Forbidding Ward on Sven. Sven, you have a plus one to AC against this air method. That's my turn. Awesome. The Professor, it's your turn. The Professor hears what's going on and uh, starts heading up the uh, ladder. Yeah. All right, so that'll be a move action to get to the ladder, a move action to get up the ladder. Let's move actually up to Lair, and I'll uh, run up to Leighton and uh, inquire. Uh, there appears to be an air method beyond, Professor. Oh, dear me. It is now the air method's turn. It looks around, and it's just like, 
And it And I'm gonna need a reflex save from odds or spend, evens or on Druk. Uh-oh. From on Druk. Reflex? Reflex. That's 27 sound. Noise. 27? Yeah. That is a critical success, my friend. You're nice. able to throw yourself up against the wall. All of it goes past you. Uh, this air, grit, sand, dust, etc. just that could have flayed you. You get out of the way entirely with a 27. Excellent. All right, that well is its done. first turn. Next move, it's going to take a five-foot step, a guarded step. That's its turn. Next up, Sven, what do you do? Sven has to draw um, his weapon. So that's his burst. And then he'll swing at it for a 20, dirty. 20, 20 is a hit. All righty. Seven points of damage. Seven points of damage. <sighs> um, and I'll take another swing at it. Oh, my goodness. That will be for 10. 10 is a miss. 10 is a miss. Sven, that was a move and then a double slice, which is two, one action. No, well, it actually wasn't a double slice because he doesn't have uh, both weapons out. He just has, uh, that was two attacks with the same weapon. Heard, 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 heard. Eugene, it is your turn. Does Eugene have any indication that any of this is happening upstairs? People would have been calling this stuff out. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll go 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. Is it a standard still move just to get up the stairs to there? It is a full move action to get up those, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll, yeah, so then the first move's action will be getting to the stairs. Second will be getting up the, not stairs, the ladder, whatever. And then we'll go 5, 10, 15, 20, I think. That's a wall there, but you can get to there along a oh, sorry. inverse route. It's all good. No worries. Yeah. You can get to there. Um, but that'll be the turn. Awesome. Easy peasy. Eugene, getting up in the mix. The professor, getting up in the mix. Andruk, it's your turn. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to mirror Ben and uh, draw his sword uh, for one action and then take a swing with his next one. It's going to be 11 plus 10 is 21. That is a hit. Switch hitter here. Four points of damage. Four points of damage. Nice. For his last action, I think he'll raise his shield. Raises his shield with his last action? Yeah. Dope ass. That is the end of round one. Leighton helps protect one of his friends. The professor gets up in the mix. The air method breathes some sand and grit at your friend and mine. Andruk doesn't do anything. Sven takes a swipe. Eugene gets up there. Druk takes a swipe. We are back to the top of round two. It is Leighton's turn. Leighton, what do you do? Uh, Sam, would you say from the position here just outside the door to that room that Leighton would be able to like peek around and see Druk? Um, if he was here, I think you'd have to. Yeah, if he's there, yeah, absolutely. If yeah, you're in the great. if you're in the doorframe for sure. So Leighton is going to scamper forward, peek around, and say, uh, "Druk, didn't mean to leave you high and dry there, buddy. Great dodging." And we'll cast Forbidding Ward on on Druk as well. And I'm now realizing, guys, that that applies to both your AC and any saving throws against their abilities. Plus one. Okay. Um, and that is Leighton's turn. Fucking a, Professor, it's your turn. I haven't done this before. Can I hit the creature with a uh, harming spell without uh, hurting Leighton, who's directly in the path? Read the text of harm. 
And is this a new spell for you? Oh yeah. Uh, one living creature. I say just cast it and find out after. It's true. Well, that you know, let's do that for the hell of it. Let's see if it hurts Colt. Um, the professor. Um, I'm going. No, no, Colt. I'm going based on character that the professor is just accumulating this as he goes. I, I am um, not hurt. <laughs> so the professor um, reaches forth his hands and says, uh, "Now see here, stop!" And uh, uh, shooting out for his hands as. Burning uh, red ray that is uh, heading straight for the creature that hopefully will harm it. So, what are you? How are you casting this spell? Because there's options. I know. I uh, used a verbal and somatic, the two action version. Or you could use three. I could. Yeah. Let's. But I would definitely hurt my companions in that. <laughs> Rudy's just like, now burst. wait a second. Just, just a burst of just, negative just because the pro- Just because the professor's new at this doesn't make him a fucking sap! You know? <laughs> 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 Ralph's around here. 20 on the die, baby. Oh. <laughs> Get dead. <laughs> that is a 28 to hit. I sure hope it does. It's a critical hit. It is, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Of course, harm doesn't have any critical effect. What a drag. I actually don't think you have to make a spell spell attack roll. I think it just happens. It does? Yeah, okay. I think that's why it doesn't have a critical effect. Because oh, it, it's okay. the same as, as okay. heal, right? Like, it's just, the thing just happens. I understand now. Well, I'll never use this spell again. <laughs> Well, at least, at least it was max damage, so that's eight points of damage. You know what? We won't roll for an attack again on this spell, but I want to honor that natural 20. Oh. The Seramephit had one hit point left, and you rolled a critical attack roll and rolled max damage on a single attack. It fucking detonates. <laughs> <laughs> Fend and Druk get some dust in their eyes, and the air method is dead. There is one unexplored door in the mill over to the west. What do our heroes do? Can I detect magic? And that's the east, if that's where your pin was. There is one... For the listener at home, uh, Sam just said West, and the door's clearly on her right hand side. <laughs> he's trying, yeah, he's trying to, to retake it right now so that he can cut it out, but we're not going to let him. We're not going to let him. No. That's fair. Let that door over there that I just pinged <laughs> on the east side of the mill. Wait, did, did um, Eugene detect magic? Eugene has cast the spell Detect Magic and does not detect magic. Uh. And I'm sorry, Sam, there was nothing in this room, right? Because we never got a chance to actually search it. There was nothing in that room. Right. Yo, let's go. Crack this shit open. Yeah. Professor, get over here. Ooh. Yes, I'll harm the door. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> sorry, you did toss the room real quick, and you find a strong box under the bed, but it's locked. Ooh. Uh, well, do we want to check the strong box before we go to that western door on the east? I say check it later. I'll throw the strong box in my pack and let's just let's just keep going. Yeah, I got it on the loose sheet. We'll crack it later. Let's roll. Yeah. Kick, uh, kick this door open, please. You kick that door open. <laughs> and that small child was standing right behind you. <laughs> ouch. Oh, ouch. 
Ouch! Oh man! Oh gosh! Where'd all my pet bees go? <laughs> what a dumb kid! They were fucking wasps. <laughs> you kick open the door onto a garden. There is an impressive series of tomato plants, a nice pumpkin collection. I mean, like we're talking prize county fair pumpkins here. Like a couple of them are like the size of Volkswagens. Not quite. They're a little impressive. bit smaller than that, but they're nice big pumpkins. Give me perception checks for the people who are in the lead. Is it like a greenhouse? Like, could we not see this from outside? Uh, you did see it from outside through the fence slats. Okay. 21. Uh, 18. 21 and an 18. You both notice that there seems to be an odd number of spider webs out back here. Mm. Mm. No, thank you. Oh, there's nothing that uh, requires us to go outside in the spider webs, it looks like. <laughs> Leave a garden, be a garden, no? Infamous arachnophobes, Sven and Leighton, turn the party around. Don't want to interrupt the garden. Uh, but seriously, uh, why do... And Does anybody need to go out there? Aside from investigating these terrific pumpkins... <laughs> Sam, can I use... Okay, okay. Uh, Leighton would turn to the party and say, uh, Perhaps we should check to see if the webs are occupied before we enter. Um, if you feel comfortable with me doing so, I can do it from here, I believe. Do it. Wonderful. Do it. Um, do it. I'm going to cast Prestidigitation, uh, one option of which is to lift. Slowly lift an unattended object of light bulk or less, one foot off the ground, to use that to like billow the spider webs and try to attract them towards the point of contact that would imitate like a fly or something. I mean, I'll let you use it to like pluck a thread. Yeah, exactly. That that exact sort of motion. Awesome. Yeah. So you use press digitation to pluck one of the web threads that you can see, particularly where they're densest on the far side of the garden. The eastern side of the garden. <laughs> When you cast a spell, do the hand motion, pluck, and a gigantic spider drops down from a hidden location in the bush and snaps exactly where you plucked the thread. And that's where we're going to leave it this week. Close the door and burn the mill like we originally planned. (laughs) 